0: things through political channels alone. No nation has been Christianized through political channels. In fact, usually it's the opposite. Usually the more Christian nations, and when I use the term Christian now, I'm referring to nations with a higher percentage of disciples. Usually that has happened in spite of the political environment. Welcome to the Christians in
1: Culture podcast. Um, My name is Jimmy Brennan. I'm the Uh, One of the young adults leaders at C3 Camden Um, And tonight, this afternoon, this morning, we have
2: got My name's Adam Bear, I'm the creative director at C3 Church in Picton
0: And I'm Rowan, I'm the lead pastor at C3 Camden and C3 Picton It's great to have you with us today, how are you guys going?
2: Yeah, pretty good. Going, good. Good. Yeah, going, going good. good. Tested our last three episodes and they were pretty good, so we'll try and go up from here. Yep, yeah. so
0: we're on the second night of our recording. We yeah. we smashed out three podcasts last night. That involved a lot of technical issues that we ironed out, so yeah. uh, hopefully we'll yeah. get through th- more than three tonight. Got through episode one after about five takes, so we did well. Yeah. Yeah. Learning, um, on the run. Learning
2: on the run. But
1: yeah, so this is season one. This is now episode four, um, so we're going to be looking at a post-Christian society. Uh, so this is a uh, carry-on from last episode, so if you haven't listened to that, episode three on secularism, jump back and have a listen to that one. That would be a good idea. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, then jump forward into this one. Uh, so, in the last episode, as I said, we t- spoke about secularism uh, and what it means uh, and how we have come to be a secular society. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in this session, we're sort of going to follow on from that uh, and have a look a bit more specifically at how secular secularism uh, is... and. H- how it's linked to what many of us call today a post-christian society uh so yeah we're gonna look at what that means um how we got here uh how should christians relate to the world uh in the light of being in this post-christian society um so first up uh what do we mean when we say we're living in a post-christian society He wants to jump on that one first sure
0: well, I think I think uh, it's worth mentioning that as we work our way through this series, we will be touching on things that will overlap mm. between episodes. But that's intentional. I, I, as a preacher, I've learned that uh, you can't say things once and expect that we take them in. And people's, you know, I ask people what, what I preached about last week. If I'm honest, I don't often remember what I preached about last week. We need to hear things repeated over <laughs> and over for them to sink in. And it's just we live in an information overload. So, if you're listening to this, do you think, oh, I heard this last time. No, it's not episode three. It is episode four. Mm. But uh, we have talked a little bit about, this post-Christian secular society, and so, what does it mean? Well, I think uh, it's that's open to interpretation, guys. I think a lot of people will say different things about what what they mean. Uh, if we are we in a post-Christian society, I think sometimes people will go kind of deny that, and we've talked a little bit about this whole idea of denying it and and, and seeing that as defeatist or a lack of faith. Oh, yeah. we're not in a post-Christian society. We, we we've still got an opportunity to be a Christian society, and so on. But I guess. In a nutshell, I'd say it depends on how we view that. There are different ways that we could measure it. I mean, for instance, if, if you guys who are listening, or you, you guys that are here, if you were asked to define what a Christian society means, yeah. what would that look like? How, how mm. would you define it? I would hazard a guess that each of us would probably define it slightly differently. Yeah. And, and in my notes, I put down a few different things. Some of these we've touched on already. Like, is it defined by the percentage of churchgoers yeah. in a society? Well, if a church has, you know, 20% of its congregation, 20% of it, sorry, if if a nation has 20% of its population attending church on a Sunday, does that make it a church, a Christian society? Who knows? Um, It could be judged by the level of the morality of the the law, the nation Mm. that we live in. That's kind of where we were going last night, I think, wasn't it? When we were talking in the previous episode about it, that that, uh, I think a lot of Christians probably feel that 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 is what determines it. When we think Christian society, we're probably, if we're honest and, and think it through, we're probably not thinking about it in terms of the number of disciples. Mm. We're thinking it in terms of the standard of morality. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's right.
0: I'm not convinced personally that that's necessarily the, the best benchmark to use. Mm. What do you guys think?
2: Yeah, look, I think it, we've been talking about this for the last three episodes. Um, we've been talking about... Um, what a, what a Christian society looks like and whether or not we have ever had a Christian mm. society. Mm. Um, and, yeah, so to live in a post-Christian society, you would have to have been in a Christian society Great, yeah. to start with. Mm. Um, and a lot, I, think, I find that a lot of people don't really understand why we have to have the term. Mm. let alone you know have the terms because and even when we think of modernity and post modernism mm. mm. yep. and now post christianity like mm. a lot of people don't have that kind of um, vocabulary anyway yeah. because they don't think about those things yeah um, yeah so I think we might delve into that a little yeah. bit mm. soon and yeah
1: yeah well yeah. well I'm similar well, that that like modernity and postmodernism, and I know the terms. Yeah. Couldn't remember what the definitions are. And could you are. define them? Yes, yeah. that's right. To save me. Uh, yeah. And I think they, they get thrown out by people, maybe even, I think, like most people, they just sort of throw them out knowing vaguely what it might mean and know that probably the other person might vaguely know what it means and say so everyone will just move along and not ask questions. Yes. Um, but And I think that's the thing is that when we talk about, you know, have we been a Christian society, a post-Christian society, you know, um, I think that uh, inside our churches, I think we've probably thought it's been a Christian society for a long time. Mm. Um, and I suppose to a point, um, as we're talking about, it's been like maybe a Christian moral society yes, for yes. for a while. Um, but whether or not we've been a Christian society, that's, you know, it's, maybe it's a bit splitting hairs for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so, when we talked a bit about it in the last episode, might not harp on about that.
0: Um, mm. But yeah, so... I yeah to me Jimmy I, I think about it yeah, a little bit like uh, you know I've done a lot of marriage counseling over the years and helping couples and, and a bit of a generalization but it, it once again generalizations tend to be true for the majority and I think in most cases if I if I ask a, a husband and wife you know how long have you had marriage challenges Uh You know, the response that I'll more often than not get will be something like this. The husband will say, oh, probably started about 12 months ago. Mm. And I'll ask the wife and she'll say, oh, you know, this has been going on for five years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's probably a slap on the wrist for us gentlemen. Uh, we're a bit slow on the uptake. Hmm. And I think to some degree, it, it's potentially similar in the church, a bit like what you're saying. Yeah. I, I think in the church, we're kind of like the guys who have gone on thinking everything was okay and suddenly we're waking up to the fact it's not. Yeah. Meanwhile, the world has recognised been, there's been a distance between the world and the church for yeah, so long and we've been right. unaware of it. And and so now, we're trying to, as a, as a general principle across the Christian church and the Christi- Christian society trying to fix up that mess but mm. it's uh it takes more work than we probably realize yeah mm. and we're thinking oh you know they've just just out of touch but in reality i think we, we probably largely as a general uh, general christian community have lost touch with the church with the community a long time ago yeah i'm not yeah. saying that god isn't still moving there aren't wonderful things happening but mm. across the board uh, i think we're more out of touch than we realize and yeah. so That's, i guess my hope is that we in the middle of this, we're talking about it not being fearful, but being hopeful. Mm-hmm. We keep saying that, and you'll hear us continue to say that, that we believe this is hopeful. You know, yep. uh, probably a, a way that I would, that might be closer, if you're thinking about the level of Christianity within a society, quote, unquote, I think perhaps a way to look at it would be to say the actual percentage of people in a society who are living as disciples, yeah. living yep, Christian definitely. lives. And and here's the, here's the the clincher about that. Mm-hmm. Historically, that percentage is has always been higher when the church is on the outer in a society. Yeah, we we have touched on that I think in previous yeah, episodes. Sort of,
1: yeah, I think we sort of touched on the yeah that well the the level of discipleship is higher. Generally, because people have to make a choice, they have to make a
0: choice. Yes, yeah, yeah. So just because people are walking in the doors of a church or it's the dumb thing, does not make the society Christian. I, I love Mark Sayers. Yeah. Um, well, actually, before we mention that, I, I think I was going to write one thing in my notes here. It's worth saying. I think. Probably it's fair to say that over the last 30 or 40 years, the level of what we would consider traditional Christian morality or the awareness of God, the God awareness, is definitely not what it was a generation mm. or two generations
2: ago. Mm. No, I agree.
0: So my grandparents, gen- I'm, I'm, I'm a Gen X, so my grandparents' generation, uh, it was normal to go to church every Sunday. Mm. My, my parents, who are boomers, it was normal to go to church most Sundays mm. for that generation. Yeah. The X's, we are kind of the last generation that probably grew up going to church uh, at least sometimes we thought that you know there was just something of what you did in your life i think you guys you know as probably will will be we'll call you gen wise i think you're probably both in that category yep yep is that how you see yourselves well um yeah i know
1: that we're we're, i've just missed the gen x you just missed the gen x yeah
2: yeah i think we're the top most like cut off of millennials, yeah, or or were the oldest young guys? Yeah, the, young, the, oldest,
1: the oldest, oldest young guys. Young
2: guys. The oldest yeah. young guys. Yeah. So, <laughs> so would it be fair to say that
0: in your generation, you you're probably the first generation where going to church at least some of the time was not expected?
1: Well, no. I didn't I didn't go to church at all. Like my yeah. so my dad was quote unquote Catholic, right? Um, never went to a Catholic mass. It mm-hmm. was just a that he, mm-hmm. you know only ever referred to himself as a Catholic, you know, maybe five times that I can ever remember. Okay, uh, My mum was part of the Church of England still. So, yep. uh, that's how often she went to church yep. as well. So, we never, there was not, not an expectation. We never, like it was not even a, a cultural thing like mm. Easter or Christmas, yeah. nothing like that. So, I don't, Ever remember going? It, it, everything was off my own mm. back. Whether it's you know um, going to youth group or kids yep. group club, that sort of thing. It was my desire to be
0: there mm. um, that actually drove that um, mm. to actually happen. So, of course, there be exes – that would say what you yeah. just said too. I, I'm just using it as a generalization across the mm. board. Some of you will be listening and you'll thinking, "Well, I'm a boomer and I never went to church until I was, mm. yeah. you know, in my 60s." That's that's yeah. fine. I'm not I'm not saying everyone's the same. Adam, yeah. you're going to add something?
2: Yeah. Well, I, I grew up in the church, so yes, you did. Yes. I didn't know anything different, but I did have friends that would not go to church but still call themselves Christians, right. and their family were a Christian family, mm-hmm. but they didn't turn up to church yeah. because they yeah. had other things that were yeah. more important in their yeah. Yeah. in their world. So, yeah, that's,
0: and I certainly think that if we go down to the you know next generation down the Z's and and the, and the whatever the most recent ones are, I think you'll find that you know that statistic that that value is depreciating even further yes, in, across the board. So, so we definitely fair to say that we've lost. That sense of God, the God awareness level in our nation has to has mm. depreciated considerably. Mm. I love what Mark Mark Sayers, who is a fantastic uh, a, a fantastic uh, cultural commentator and Australian Christian minister from Melbourne. He and uh, what's the other guy's name? Jean Marc Coma. Jean Marc Coma. Yeah, so they do the this cultural moment. This cultural moment. I highly recommend that podcast. Yeah, if
1: this is sort of to like, if this is, like, piquing your interest, um, yeah, I would definitely jump onto that podcast.
0: If this is piquing your interest, then this is,
1: like, kindergarten level compared yeah, to where those, right. those they, two boys they go, go. They go deep. Yeah, and deep. Mark is just off the planet, like, knowledge-wise and yeah. just he's the way the level that he thinks at.
0: Absolutely. And hopefully our intention is to take some of the sorts of things those guys put in their podcast and dumb it down for the rest of us. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, you know, highly recommend it. Well, he, he defines it. He says a post-Christian Christian society he defines it as the kingdom without the king so we it's a society that wants kingdom values but doesn't want the king of the kingdom values Uh, they want progress without God's presence trying to have the values that were introduced by a Christian worldview without the Christ of the Christian worldview Mm -hmm. and uh, that's that's itself quite an interesting way to look at it because it's funny that for a long time throughout history uh, even I think it would be, it would be fair to say in our society that the Christian church was held in a high in high moral regard so you would hear things like oh you wouldn't catch me going in the, the you know the you know doors of a church the roof would fall in yeah. that was a common kind of saying yeah this this understanding of look, you know I might not agree with all the Christians but but they live by a moral standard that's that's yeah. higher than when I live yeah. but what we've seen as we've moved towards post-christian era is that the that the morality of the Christian church is seen now to be a lower standard. Uh, we're judgmental, and yeah. you, you Christians, are harsh, exclusive, so, and exclusive, and, and so yeah, on. So yeah. that has definitely flipped, hmm. and that's wanting the values, which and there's some wonderful values that have been introduced through Christian centers, freedom of speech, and so on. Wanting those values, hmm. but without the constraint of the king. I don't. What do you guys think of that?
2: Yeah, I think. Um What I was thinking earlier was just the the litmus test for society as it moves away from being a Christian society, quote unquote, is the taboos that disappear. Like, like probably fifty years ago, there 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 were taboos that are no longer taboo. We're 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 living in a world where where. homosexuals can get married Mm -hmm. um, and we're living like even last week um, cannabis was legalized in the ACT um, and then you've got um, living together Uh, before marriage Mm. uh, that was taboo 50 years ago Um, having having a baby outside of wedlock that was taboo but none of this is taboo anymore and even we start we're starting to talk about the um, abortion debates and and that was well and truly taboo 50 years ago Mm. Um, and the more we move away from those cultural norms or those um moralistic values that have come from Christianity, we would say, um, yeah, the, the more of, of the things that once were aren't anymore, you know.
0: Let me play devil's, devil's advocate on that for a minute. Yeah. So, you know, a progressive worldview says that exactly with that we are progressing. So we're leaving behind those mm-hmm. antiquated Views and we're not going to get into the debate about you know the the right and wrongs of all morality issues in this podcast in this episode, but um, but you know that that's the view that okay they were things of the past they were they were outdated they were actually wrong back then mm-hmm. um, we've left that behind and we're moving forward we're progressing mm-hmm. into a, a more inclusive worldview and and um, I don't know what what do you guys feel when you hear knowing that that's uh, mm-hmm. the rhetoric of say a progressive side of society mm-hmm. what do you feel as Christians when you hear that i oh like i i find it hard in
1: terms of i want to be able to be strong in what i believe and i feel as though that i am and then i want to be able to share that um but i feel as though that i'm already judged before i even share that or a dis or a discussion is already got a conclusion before the discussion's already been had. Sure. Um, and so, I find that part of it hard. Um, but I also find that it now opens up more opportunity for discussion. So, if I can push past that, because some of that I think will be internal or it could be whatever, like just the the self, you know, doubt or anything like that, just speaking into that, com- into that um, potential for a conversation um, or, you know, Going on the spiritual side, it could even be you know that you know that I'm getting attacked in that way to to not share because there's a potential to have a, an amazing conversation. Uh, so I, but I know that it creates great opportunity. Then um, that uh, the fact that all this stuff is so. Um, Polarizing some some of the stuff that we um, as uh, as the church has held as views that was the societal views which are no more the societal views mm. for a lot of people means that it creates opportunity for discussion. Um, Great point. So that so you're
0: looking at it from a positive yeah, perspective rather because than because I a I, I know internally
1: I have that negative thing there um, that's more just of me and you know being a bit of a people pleaser and stuff like that at times uh, that you know trying to to not really want to upset people but then but on the other side it creates I know that it creates opportunity and I know that any time a discussion comes up or some sort of big topic comes up there's always going to be opportunity for discussion Um, someone's going to ask a question and I've got to be ready but also I've got to be willing to be able to to answer
0: that
2: great attitude Mm. I love it yeah yeah that was deep that was huge Mm. i really enjoyed that um i think it's it's really hard because oftentimes the discussion that you're having has a deeper argument and the argument oftentimes comes in in my mind down to is there a god or is there not a god Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, and if there is a god what does that mean for this thing that we're talking about, yep. mm. whatever and that social issue might yeah, be, yeah, whatever that, that issue is, yes. and mm. and I think that that until we can come to an agreement on how we're going to reason about that, it's hard to continue that conversation, um, and that goes for all kinds of conversations that you're having, be it be it with morality or be it with science or anything that you go you you will come to loggerheads with people. With, so, yeah, I always try to figure out like what what's their worldview in relation to God.
0: Great thoughts, good yeah. thoughts. Take that on board, listeners. That's really good too. And
2: and how does that shape this conversation? Mm-hmm. And going back to what we've been speaking about, and it's been the, one of the main themes of, of what we've been talking about is how do I do this lovingly? Yeah. How do I have this conversation and still walk away? friends great you know
0: yeah well done
1: love it I think that leads probably really good on to our next question um, which is how can a Christian who is deeply concerned about the morality of our society so we've talked about just that yeah um, we can see that there the, the Christian worldview I suppose at the moment or the the church's standpoint on a lot of issues as, as a majority not as a as a whole Um they have these. We have these, you know, standards, or we have these opinions, or we have these truths. However, you want to sort of how they how they get put forward. How do we then become an agent for change in our society? Sure. Um, how do we yeah. get out there and make our society better, yeah. um, and do it in a
0: in that way. loving way that you are talking about? Yeah. Well, I think one of the things we touched on is we've touched on this in at least. One or two of the previous episodes is not to assume that we're going to do that and improve things through political channels alone. Uh, So, you know, we said don't put the pressure on SCOMO. Uh, No nation has been Christianized through political channels. Uh, In fact, usually it's the opposite. Usually, the more Christian nations, and when I use the term Christian now, I'm referring to nations with a higher percentage of disciples. Usually, that has happened in spite of. Uh, the political environment in in fact in in fact it's usually to do with political opposition it's because of political opposition that it increases that so so i think that is good to remind ourselves of that. Mm. Um, it's not to say that we shouldn't see Christians having influence in the government or in the marketplace or the public square. I think that's not. It's not saying we shouldn't do that. We've had some great Christian politicians in our history. We've had Christians influencing the business world, and and that I think is is a good thing to do. It's part of bringing the kingdom to earth in our sphere of influence, whatever that might be. But just remembering that that uh, you know historically the church has been most effective when. Uh, and it's most pure too when mm. it's out of favour with society and with the ruling powers of society. Mm. Uh, look at the US over the last few decades or so. Christians have believed that conservatives could, if, if conservatives could get back into power, that that would stop the slide away from Christ, from Christian worldview and Christian morality, and somehow keep the United States a quote unquote Christian nation. But conservatives have had power. Hmm. and uh, have had periods of power and and that hasn't happened which shows me once again what we've been talking about that no one hmm. political party or no one side hmm. of the political spectrum has a monopoly on Christianity Yeah, uh, and I think that's important that we should be, we can show ex- deep concern but relying on the fact that it's the church through selfless love it's as us as individuals through selfless engagement like Adam you were saying, sharing selflessly of ourselves mm-hmm. and engaging in conversation and caring for those people. Yeah. You know, people who have a different worldview to us, they're not bad people. Mm. That's right. Generally speaking, they just, they, they want the best. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I think, I think Jimmy, to develop your question a bit further, mm. uh, I think it's probably fair to say that, you know, we're living in a, this post-Christian worldview is is essentially saying that people want the advantages of the Christian morality yeah. without, as, as Mark says, with, without the belief in the absolute moral truth. And, yeah. and not to be a predictor of, not to say I'm a prophet, but but you don't need to be uh, much of a student of human behavior to know that that's actually impossible. Yeah. You cannot have an mo- absolute moral truth without an absolute moral truth giver. That's yeah. right. And uh, human nature will inevitably get to the point where selfishness will take over. And that's not a religious thing, that's a human thing. Yeah. 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 And uh, we'll end up thinking that we're right and everybody else is wrong. Yeah, I dare say Christians have been that way. I think in future podcasts, we'll touch on the whole Pharisees and how we as Christians are like that. We, we've probably been more that way than we've realized ourselves. Mm. So, um, I, I think if we're going to engage with society, we're going to do it selflessly and lovingly and graciously. Yeah.
1: I know this is a little bit... Um, off-topic, but I know that someone out there will be thinking this question, so I thought I might Go for check it. it out now. So, we're talking about, what about when the Roman Empire adopted Christianity? Hmm. That'll be the, well, that the church and the Christian... Worldview spread yep. at that time. So that'll be like, because, you know, it's one example. I can't think of really many others off the top of my head. Sure. But that'll be one that someone will chuck out. Yep. What's, what would be a response to someone who asks? I
2: have an that. answer
0: for that because I know a little bit about the history, but I don't want to jump in there. What do yeah. you know, Adam?
2: No, I was I going to, hear what at you knowing have to say, but I think. I think we've been, we have talked a little bit about this and the idea of like, yes, it may have looked like Christianity was spreading and there would have been pockets of true disciples of Mm. Christ, but, um, I would say the vast majority would, would not have been what we are are talking about, a a Mm. true disciple of Christ. They would have been, and in relation to how the Roman empire, um, took hold of Catholicism, they took hold of that because they saw it as a means of control, Mm. um, they and they used it to basically divide and conquer, and I think that was like while it was great for the church, it was not necessarily the best thing for society at that time. Yep. But um, look, I don't know everything about it. I'd love to hear it.
0: Well, you I to say. think you're you're along the right track there i'm certainly not a historian of roman history it's interesting that uh, you know the christian the the roman empire became christianized in the early 300s early fourth century uh you know traditional says it was under constantine uh however i think if i'm correct uh without looking it up on wikipedia uh that essentially constantine issued a decree that uh legalized christianity Mm. and uh Basically, it was a freedom of religion uh, decree that said that anyone's free to worship who they want to worship. Uh, It was his successor who, off the top of my head, I may be wrong here, I think it was Vespasian, Uh, he was the one who actually... Made Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire. It's interesting that that happens, and within 150 years, we enter into a period of time of a thousand years that we call the Dark Ages. Yeah. So that tells me something. That tells me that the society in Europe becoming quote unquote Christianized did not bring the light of the gospel into the world. It made darkness come to the world. Yeah. And I think my reasons for that, in answer to the question, Jimmy, uh, is that. While Christianity was on the outer, mm. it meant that only the true disciples would identify themselves as Christians. Yeah, And so Christianity was living in the, in the shadows, if you like, trying to shine a light in the shadows, working in communities where other people would leave. I think what uh, happened once Christianity became legalized, and in fact, as you're alluding to, Adam, once it became advantageous to identify yourself as a Christian mm. – then what happened was what kicked in was what I was just talking about. It wasn't religion. It was just human behavior. Yeah. Selfishness uh, came to the surface. Yep. Suddenly it was cool to be a Christian. Suddenly it was advantageous. Suddenly it was financially uh, advantageous to be a Christian. And so everybody called themselves a Christian. And that is what led to the the spiral of decay because power corrupts and that absolute power corrupted absolutely. Uh, So that is kind of the pattern. That's a big part of why I say, no, the society being quote unquote Christianized is not necessarily the best thing for the Christian church. Mm. I think the best thing for the Christian church, for the kingdom of God to go forth is it flourishes when it is not the accepted worldview. Mm. Yeah.
1: Cool. That's the, uh, That was the answer I was looking for.
0: That was the answer you were looking for? Yeah. So,
1: I just, I knew that there would be someone out there thinking it. Good. um, Because I think that I've actually been even throwing that at one time. Cool. Uh, Did you get the answer the same I I got? I'm not going (laughs) to say it was right because it's just my opinion. I got some sort of answer. Off the top of my head, I don't know if it was, I think it was pretty similar, but Mm not 100%. I think it was helpful because it was closer when I was actually studying. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think it's
2: sort of pushed out my head by now. Yeah, I think it's like it's the difference between religiosity and and true Christianity. Yeah. And it's even the difference between um, the Pharisees and the disciples of Christ. Like, so the, the Pharisees had a way of living. Um, and and uh, things that they did in order to make themselves holy, yep. whereas the um, disciples loved and followed Jesus and accepted him as their Lord and Savior. Yeah. Um, and so that that's the the juxtaposition between those two ideas, mm. and like. Yeah, even what we were talking about with Martin Luther yesterday, like to the point where, you know, they were selling indulgences to the people yes. and basically lording over them. Mm. Um, and bringing them to a place of mm. of poverty... Can you just take a
0: moment and explain yeah. for our listeners, indulgences. So I actually it, had that conversation uh, with some people just this week, so uh, yeah, okay, but yeah. if you know what that is, go for it.
2: So, indulgences were basically just a writ that were... It was basically a piece of paper that you could go and buy from a mm. um, priest, um, and that would heal someone or it would get someone out of purgatory or mm. it would make make you have blessing or it would mm. absta- um, absolve someone from some sin that um, yeah. they'd committed or they will commit. It was even, yeah, you could yeah. buy an indulgence so you could go and go sin. Go and sin, yeah. And um, Martin Luther... Saw yeah. all of this, and he was like, "Where in the Bible? Where, where does it say this? It doesn't say this. Yes, it yeah. does not say this." Yes. And and that was the thing that. And he um it was one
0: of his ninety-five theses. Wrote, yeah, yep. he
2: wrote the the theses, and he and he nailed it to the door of the church, and um, ultimately it. it got to the point where someone got a hold of it and they were like, hey, I've got this printing press. I'm going to print this for yep. everyone. Mm. And unbeknownst to Martin Luther, his his book is being created and there's all these people like following him and he didn't even know about it. Mm. Uh, he's dragged before the king and before the um, archbishop at the time. Was it in Germany? East German, yes. In Germany, yeah. Yes. Yep. And... Told to renounce yeah. And he just couldn't renounce Because he just couldn't Because he knew it, it was the truth the, Yeah, and mm-hmm. then he was sent into exile He ultimately translated the Bible Or the New Testament Into German And started the Reformation Yeah mm-hmm. And we we are talking together As a result of what he did Yep yeah. Yep mm. Yeah Cool All Thank right. God for Martin Luther
1: Yeah, I know Legend. Martin Luther I know why Martin Luther King Got named after yeah. him Yeah so. <laughs> Um. So, our next question, uh, how should Christians live and conduct themselves in a post-Christian society uh, where there are so many moral uh, incongruencies or differences? uh, Incongruencies. Very good. uh, Between what we believe and what so many other
0: people believe. All right. Yeah. Do you want to have a go, Adam?
2: I just want to say quickly before you you talk, just don't be a jerk. Like, don't be a jerk because... Ultimately, like when Jesus says, you know, love the Lord your God with mm. all your heart mm. and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. So if we can think about every interaction that we have with that in our minds, knowing full well that we're an ambassador for Christ, like we were talking about yesterday, mm. that's a great starting point.
0: Yeah. Love it. There you go. There's your advice for how to act with the world around you. Don't be a jerk. I would add one thing to that. I would say, don't just assume you're not being a jerk. Ask someone if you're being a jerk because (laughs) Because you might not think you are, but you may well be a jerk anyway. Don't you love coming to the Christians in Culture podcast and getting encouraged? If the conversation
1: is getting uncomfortable and you know there's a jerk in the situation and you look around and you can't see anyone else being a jerk, (laughs) you're probably being the jerk. You're probably
0: the jerk, yeah. That's that's good. Well, I I would say that um, we are... As Christians, you know, the question is, what do we do about this growing difference between our uh, the Christian moral standard and, and what we see in the world around us in so many areas? And uh, first thing, actually, a thought that comes off the top of my head is we probably need to be aware that there are a few areas where the world is advancing morally uh, in a good way, mm-hmm. Um that we don't hear a lot about in the press, in the Christian press, we don't hear a lot about this, and we need to recognise that the the world is actually doing a few things better yep. than perhaps even Christians have done them. So that would be an aside. We'll probably talk to some of those issues in a later a later podcast as well. But I would say that generally speaking, we are uh, we're losing the battle. The problem is we are still trying to fight the battle like we used to. We need to change the terms of engagement of the battle anymore. I think it's a bit like the husband who hasn't worked out that the marriage is in trouble. We are still trying to fight the battle like the marriage is working and it's stopped a long time ago. And so, we need to change the terms of engagement and recognize that distance. And so, maybe in the West where we're bemoaning, oh, you know, things are so hard and so bad, maybe we need to change our focus and start to see ourselves a little bit more like, Uh, the other third of our world face who are facing the persecuted world Mm. persecuted Christians who are really genuinely persecuted Mm. and start Mm. to see that the way that they're living out their lives in in the persecuted Middle East for instance in the 1040 windows Mm. uh, nations of the world, that might help us to put us in a better position to adjust the way that we engage in this spiritual battle against the forces of darkness uh, than we currently have done that effectively and so I guess there's three possible responses. I've been saying this for some months. Those of you who are in our church will have hopefully heard me say these in a few different messages. I will say these three responses repeatedly during this series because uh, if you, actually, if you don't get anything else out of this whole series, from my perspective, I think this is the most important thing you can get. Forming up an opinion as a listener, as a Christian, how we engage in culture. This is why we're calling this podcast Christians in Culture. How do we engage in this culture? There are three Main responses that I tend to see Christians take. The first one is what I call railing against the system. That is what we might say is the outspoken activist right. We uh, we are complaining, we are speaking out, we are standing up for our rights as Christians. We're saying we have a right to speak, and we, you know, the and we we are right, and and we might be right. Or we're often not, but we might be right. But that does not necessarily give us the right to proclaim our rights jesus gave up his rights so the risk with that high level activist right mentality is that we will lose the moral authority we touched on that previously we'll lose the moral authority we can have the morality but morality without the moral authority that enables us to to actually have the respect of the people we are called to reach is largely wasted and it's largely ineffective, and I don't think it would represent the Word of God, the, the ministry of Christ well, we actually turn into Pharisees, and we don't even realize it. So, that's the the risks with railing against the system and complaining about how bad things are and fighting for our rights. The other mentality is the other end of the spectrum, which is, well, if they're going to spend all that time saying it and railing against everything, we're going to do the opposite. We're going to bunker down we're not going to say anything. We're going to protect ourselves and our kids from the corrupt world around us. Let's just make sure that we're safe. Let's make sure that our kids, heaven forbid, that our kids would be corrupted. Mm. And we'll talk a bit more about this in a future session as well. And a lot of people in favor of this mentality usually will withdraw, We have that withdrawal mentality. But the problem with that is Jesus told us not to withdraw. Jesus prayed that we would be in the world. He said, in fact, he says in John 15, 16, 17, somewhere in there, he says, my prayer, Father, is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. So, the intention was not to withdraw from the world. How can we reach people if we withdraw from them? There has to be a way to do it. I believe there has to be a way to do it that's not either of those two. It's not outspoken against and it's not bunkering down and withdrawing. But... That's what I'm looking for. That's the that's the view I want us to be able to have. That's for my life. That's what I want to be able to do. But we shouldn't be so naive as to think that it's easy to avoid being influenced by the secular world. Yep. So, you know, if we're going to be in the world, we should be aware enough of ourselves to go, okay, society will affect us. How do we make sure we maintain our moral standards, our Christian moral standards in a way that isn't watered down but is it also gives us that moral authority so a little side note on on monasteries because you know Jimmy you pointed to a question someone might be asking uh, earlier on this this is another question as I was preparing my thoughts on this that that people may be out there asking and thinking well, well, what about monasteries isn't that what the Christians did didn't the m- monasteries didn't all the monks withdraw from society mm. uh, you know if you guys thought that you know what are your thoughts on mon- monastic life?
2: Yeah, monastic life. Quite often, they would r- withdraw for reflection to gain strength to go and yeah. and serve. Yeah, um, and yeah. I think that's I think that's a great point because I think that's one of the reasons why we should gather together as believers. Great thought, yeah. because we come together to, like Paul tells us, to, to sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs and to build each other up in the faith mm. so that we can go. And I wrote a song recently that was, it, it's about us going together. Yes. The whole premise is about the Holy Spirit, Spirit filling us so much that we overflow and as we go together to let the people know what God's done for us, mm we can't help but be fruitful yes because it's all done in love and yeah man i, I yeah i love what you're saying it's so mm. good
1: yeah yeah and like the to people who went into the monastic life it was a calling yeah. it wasn't just a that every christian chose to then go and become a monk mm. or a nun in, mm-hmm. a, in, a, in a go to a yep that It was. They felt as though it was a calling from God Mm. to choose that life. Yep. It wasn't that they saw that they were better or doing it the right way. Mm. They felt as though that that was what they were meant to be doing. Mm. Mm. Uh, And I think that's where um, it sort of gets missed. I think a bit is that we, as even like you know, even when, uh, geez, I can't remember who it is now. So much for learning the Bible. Um, where we, people are called to be, some people are called to be teachers, prophets. Some people are called to be celibate. Yep. Some people are called to be single. Yep. Some people are called to be married. Yep. Um, it's it's everyone in our life. Everyone goes through life, and they get a calling. They on get their a life. calling. Yes. Um, yes. Good point. And it's for it can be you might have a main calling and a couple mm, of other things sure. that you yep. then that then supplement that. Um, and but for to choose the monastic life, a lot of time was also to choose a celibate life. Yes, it was. Uh, And so that was an also way of gaining strength and working together is Mm. because, you know, um, choosing the celibate life – you know, you look at culture. You yep. look at anyone. It's hard to choose a a, a celibate
0: life. Yeah, um, we will actually be doing a podcast on singleness. Yeah, in this series. Yeah, for and that
1: so reason, you, it's it's not as though that it's that the it's the easy option wasn't to become a monk or a nun. No, that yes. wasn't that wasn't no, the it wasn't easy the option. Out. That was that yeah. was that was probably harder than was becoming like becoming a. You know, it's
0: ultimately
2: an act Anything else? Of sacrifice yes, and yes. Worship like, yeah. with their whole entire and, life.
0: And not only that, to think that, you know, when we, I think later on in the series, we'll discuss a bit more about monasticism and what that means. But, but uh, in here, I think it's important to recognize that if we, when most of us think, monastics or monasteries we're probably talking about benedictine monastery life he was sort of the founder of it saint benedict and uh, and really the monastics of that era they were deeply engaged in society yeah, yeah, so they yeah. like your song and yeah. they they yeah. were but you know our hospitals our education systems in the dark ages of middle medieval europe yeah they
2: exist because
0: they, they, they exist because of monastic yeah. life yeah. monasteries so yeah. so it certainly wasn't this withdrawal based around fear oh the world is going to hell in a handbasket it was Let's withdraw, recharge, refire, uh, keep close to Jesus and then let's get out and serve. And I yeah. guess, it's, so when we look at it, it's not as withdrawal mentality as some of us might think. So, the, I guess the risks that we have with a withdrawal mentality, for those who may be listening and realizing as you're listening to this, wow, that's kind of the view I've had, is as the first risk is, it does separate us from the people we're called to reach, no doubt about it. So, we can't do that. And if we're doing it to protect our kids, I would say that it doesn't ultimately help our kids. Mm. The reason with that, the reason for that is unless you're living in an Amish withdrawal society, uh, free from electricity, Free from power, yeah. certainly free from having a mobile device, yeah. uh, You, your kids will be living in the, in the world. Yeah, you right. might think as a Christian parent that you have somehow protected them. I would say for most of you, you'll be surprised how interacted they are and how engaged they are with the world around them yeah. in yeah. their bedroom right now as you're listening to this. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think it won't ultimately help them. I think there has to be a better way than just withdrawing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can lead to this pharisaical, legalistic behavior where we somehow make morality our idol oh, we're, we're not like those other people, we live differently to them. Well, that's feeding self-righteousness. I think mm. uh, we will actually talk a little bit about that in a later, later subject, about what Paul comments on Colossians about that. Yeah, and, it, and often what happens is it leads to rebellion in our kids. So, our pre- desire to protect our children, overly protect our children, means that the children will actually rebel against that level of... Uh, stringent restraint that we've put around them, even though you've probably done it for the right reasons. So, there has to be Mm. a middle ground.
2: I think it's also the fact that Jesus didn't model that to us either. No. Mm. Like, he he ate with the tax collectors and the sinners, and he was ridiculed for that. And to show like for him to show us that then we need to take notice. Mm. And I was thinking this morning about the great commission and even the even the idea of the word commission like when when an artist gets commissioned to do a painting if the person that's commissioned them comes and sees them just sitting around not painting they think what are you doing?
0: Wow, good thought.
2: You're here to, you you have been commissioned to do a thing and, and yep. I I would say that Jesus expects us to do what he's commissioned us to good do. Good thought. Yep. He's given us the spirit in order to do it and and if we're not doing it, what are we doing?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Sobering thought. So this middle ground then, what does it look like? If we're not railing against the system and we're not in a bunker down withdrawal mentality, mm-hmm. what does it look like? How do we do this? How do we how how do we fulfil this commission and do it in a way that maintains our moral standard while maintaining our moral authority so that we can as the Apostle Paul says, by all possible means, win as many people to Christ as possible. Yeah,
2: I think in a practical way in my life, I have submitted myself to Pastor Rowan, okay? So, he he disciples me and there are other people in my life that I'm friends with that don't know Jesus, but I'm not... Submitted to them in a discipleship capacity, and I don't let them speak into my life the way that Pastor Rowan does. Um, and I'm certainly like when I think about Paul telling us to to imitate him as he imitates Christ, I imitate Pastor Rowan as he imitates Christ. And I don't imitate my friends because they're not imitating Christ. Good thought. It's my I need to remember that while I'm to be in their in their life and I'm to be loving them. My my thoughts are always to to be toward heaven, um, and and to live according to the kingdom, because I'm wanting them to come into the kingdom, and, and not vice versa. But I'm still out in the world. Yes,
0: yeah. yes, great, well said, yeah.
1: Jimmy. Someone has to say it, but being in the world not of it it's something that gets thrown around and
2: cliche, is there, the, is cliche that is a,
1: a great Christian cliche that's the Christian yeah. Christ cliche button right there um, <laughs> but it's like at its core it's true we what we're called to do is to be out in the world, we're called to, you know, you can't make disciples by sitting in your bedroom. That's right. You can't make disciples by only going to church and only speaking with Christian people. Mm. You can't make disciples unless you go out into the world. Yeah. You interact with people on, and not just on a face value level, where you actually have to get we a little bit deeper with, deeper with people. people. Yes. It has, it'll get a little bit messy. Yeah. Uh, but you have to actually be in the world interacting with people. Yeah. You know, like, you know, I, my main interaction with people outside of um, obviously work that um, is uh, through sport um, because I like I enjoy playing team sports. So that's the way that I've chosen to try and do most of my creating relationships and, and, yeah. you know, and being in the world, being real with people and showing in that way. And it's not the only way I do it, but I just know that that's like. If we just choose to, I know that people make teams with their friends and just have all Christians, which can be good as well because if it depends on what type of competition it is, you can do that. Um, but there's nothing wrong with being the only Christian in a team. No, right? not that at all. It means you get that opportunity yeah. to then, yep. you know, set apart, you know. Yep. if And, you know, it probably leads to me <laughs> doing my occasional swearing on the field and that's that. <laughs> but it's more in but terms of… But you're still of, a Christian. But I'm still a Christian. Yeah, you're still… Re- and like, yeah. I, but they, they know that it's you know, they know me and they're yes. getting to know me and who I am. They know that, oh, hang on. Okay. He's just sworn, but, you know, he obviously, he's a normal guy. Yeah. Like he's, it's not someone that's a, like, you know, just telling me, oh, this is what you meant to do, this is what you meant to do, this is meant to do, and then going off and then yeah. doing all this other stuff yeah. or, you know, running around being an idiot on the field and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the, um, that's the thing. We're meant to be out in the community, out with people, building Good relationships, con- you know, Make it having intentional relationships with people, yep. not for the sake, not just for the sake of we want to make them a Christian, because we want to get to know them yeah. and give them the opportunity then to yeah. meet God, who that's will then good. do the work.
2: Yeah, and I love what Pastor Ron's been talking about about bringing heaven to earth, mm. and that is, uh, that's what we're called to. Like, and I, I think about my work um, being a police officer can be hard as a Christian, um, and I remember coming to work, I think it must have been just before Good Friday, and my whole desk was covered in pamphlets for Easter services because they thought that was funny. No, we thought that was, was funny like, to do that. And and I thought it was it funny, funny too. It <laughs> is funny. It is funny. <laughs> and I picked up the pamphlets and I looked at the guys and I was like, great, which one do you guys want to go to? Yeah, <laughs> nice. Right? So, th- there's always that opportunity to not get offended. yeah. Because ultimately, what I've found, I, I suppose it's one of those things that you, you – you get a bit older, I'm only 37, so I'm not too old, but I, mm. the more I get older, the more I realize that my true friends will always be my true friends if they're going to be my true friends mm. and it's okay if they're not. Um, and I need to be very intentional in all of my behaviors and all of my relationships for the gospel. Absolutely. There's people that are coming into my life. Who are watching. After, yeah, yep. after a long period of time that I yep. we, we've just not touched base with yep. and and when they come into my life, I, I just feel it's God saying, this guy needs Jesus. And so every interaction I have with them, I, I try to make sure that it's on mission. It's, Great it's, thought. It's and you do that very
0: well. I, I'm, from what I've seen looking in, you you do that well. You do see your life as on mission, and I think that's a credit to you, Adam. I think it's um, it's a good example of how to do it, how to engage in a, in a real world way, an everyday way, mm. Um but not, not shy away from being that presence mm. in a way that that maintains moral authority and gives you that respect with people. Yeah. And there'll be people listening who'll be going, well, no, I, I mean, there are Christians who genuinely believe that we should preach at everybody. And, uh, and while I don't agree with that, mm. you're entitled to that. If view. you
1: do it in a genuine, loving way... Go for it. Yeah. If you can do it in a way yeah. that it comes across that the pers- they that they feel the love. They feel the I love. Think that's the yeah. key. And you're not just yep. saying you're doing it in love like yep. we spoke about in yep. previous episodes.
0: Yep, I think yeah, that's good like, point, Jimmy. If you can do it, it and you get people can feel cuz I think that you ha- and it. you maintain the moral authority and you feel mm. that people are hearing you, go for it.
2: But the only way to do that is to actually know
0: them. Mm. I believe that's the most effective You need to way, know yes. their
2: story yes. and how the gospel meets the need in their story. Yes, yeah. I think so too. How does how does Jesus fit yeah, Then
0: And I would say certainly in our society, I think throughout history that hasn't always been the primary way. For instance, the Apostle Paul didn't necessarily, you know, he would go into town and he would declare Jesus, and and it would work. Uh, you know, you you go back to the, the Wesleyan era, the Wesleyan revival, and and you know they would. John Wesley would ride on horseback and he would preach on a street corner and people would get saved. So it's mm. not that's not to say that I think it's important to recognise that what we're advocating here isn't the only way. Mm. It's just that in our current post-Christian society, which mm. is the topic of this episode, yeah. it's probably the most effective way. Yeah, um, yeah. I agree with that. And I think that may not always be the case. Go back a generation and mm. the traditional street preacher probably did have a, a higher level of success than than what they will get now because they don't have that occasion mm accompanying moral authority. So, I think we live in a society where where selfless acts of service are are a very important way to do that, to lay down our lives. And and I think, too, I I wrote it this way. I said, the best opportunity for improving a community, a family, a church, and a society, whatever we're trying to improve, we as Christians in our culture should be a non-anxious presence, a non-anxious presence. When there are extreme views being put forward by some parts of the Christian agenda. There are stream views being put forward by some parts of the atheistic agenda. I think there's a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety around that. And I think that if we can be a non-anxious, faithful presence and we can trust that, uh, that God is still on His throne mm-hmm. and that He will use us to reach people where they're at, that's not a cop-out, that's actually, I think, the way to bring the the kingdom of heaven to earth in this post-christian culture that we live in. Yeah. All right. Oh, any last words? No. Nope.
1: No. All right, I think we'll wrap it up there. So, um, thanks, Adam. Thanks, Rowan. Thanks, gentlemen. Any thoughts tonight? Thanks, and um, Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Um, don't forget, rate, review and subscribe when that option is available. Uh, share the word around and, um, yeah, keep an eye out on whatever channel you found this on. Share your Facebook and, posts yeah, with your Facebook friends. share the Facebook posts and all that sort of stuff. Yep. And um, we'll uh, see you next time in Episode
0: 5. Thanks, guys.